Chapter Twenty Five of Dawn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sunny. Dawn by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Twenty Five. Keith to the Rescue. John McGuire had not been home twenty-four hours before it was known that he took it powerful hard. To Keith, Susan told what she had learned. They say he utterly refuses to see anyone outside the family, and that he'd rather not see even his own folks, that he's always asking him to let him alone. Is he ill or wounded otherwise? asked Keith. No, he ain't hurt outwardly or infernally, except his eyes, and he says that it's the worst of it, one woman told me. He's as sound as a nut, and good for a hundred years yet. If he'd only been smashed up good and solid, so he'd have some hope of dying pretty quick, he wouldn't mind it, he says. But to live long like this, oh, he's in an awful state of mind, everybody says. I can imagine it, sighed Keith, and by the way he turned, Susan knew that he did not care to talk any more. An hour later, Mrs. McGuire hurried into Susan's kitchen. Mrs. McGuire was looking thin and worn these days. From her half-buttoned shoes to her half-combed hair, she was showing the results of strain and anxiety. With a long sigh, she dropped into one of the kitchen chairs. "'Well, Miss McGuire, if you ain't the stranger,' Susan greeted her cordially. "'Yes, I know,' sighed Mrs. McGuire. "'But you see, I can't leave him.' As she spoke, she looked anxiously through the window towards her own door. Mr. McGuire's with him now, so I got away. But there's Bess and Harry, began Susan. We don't leave him with the children, ever, interposed Mrs. McGuire with another hurried glance through the window. We don't care to. You see, once we found, we found him with his father's old pistol. Oh, Susan, it, it was awful. Yes, it must have been. Susan, after one swift glance into her visitor's face, had turned her back suddenly. She was busy now with the dampers of her kitchen stove. "'Oh, of course we took it right away,' went on Mrs. McGuire, "'and put it where he'll never get it again. But we're always afraid there'll be something somewhere that he will get a hold of. You see, he's so despondent, in such a terrible state.' "'Yes, I know,' nodded Susan. Susan had abandoned her dampers and had turned right about face again. If only he'd see folks now. Yes, and that's why I came over to talk to you about, cried Mrs. McGuire eagerly. We haven't been able to get him to see anybody, not anybody. But I've been wondering if he wouldn't see Keith, if we could work it right. You see, he says he just won't be stared at. And Keith, poor boy, couldn't stare and john knows it oh susan do you suppose we could manage it why of course i'll tell him right away and he'll go over i know he'll go exclaimed susan all interest at once oh but that wouldn't do at all cried mrs mcguire don't you see john refuses absolutely refuses to see anyone and he wouldn't see keith if i should ask him to but he's interested in keith i know he's that for once when i was talking to mr mcguire about keith john broke in and asked two or three questions and he's never done that before about anybody 
so i was pretty sure it was because keith was blind you know like himself yes yes i see and if i can only manage it so they'll meet without john's knowing they're going to i believe he'll get to talking with him before he knows it and that'll do him a world of good anyway something's got to be done susan it's got to be to get him out of this awful state he's in well we'll do it i know we can do it some way you think keith'll do his part mrs mcguire's eyes were anxious i'm sure he will when he understands then listen proposed mrs mcguire eagerly i'll get my john out on the back porch tomorrow morning that's the only place outdoors i can get him and he can't be seen from the street there you know i'll get him there as near ten o'clock as i can you be on the watch and as soon as i get him all nicely fixed you get keith to come out into your yard and stroll over to the fence and speak to him and then come up on the porch and sit down just naturally he can do that all right can't he it's just wonderful the way he gets around everywhere with that little cane of his yes oh yes well i thought he could and tell him to keep right on talking every minute so my john won't have a chance to get up and go in the house of course i shall be there myself at first we never leave him alone you know but as soon as keith comes i shall go they'll get along better by themselves i'm sure only of course i shall be where i can keep a watch out of the window now do you understand yes and we can do it i know we can do it all right then i'm not so sure we can but we'll try it anyway sighed mrs mcguire raising to her feet the old worry back on her face well i must be going mr mcguire'll have a fit he's as nervous as a witch when he's left alone with john there what did i tell you she broke off with an expressive gesture and a glance as a careworn-looking man appeared in the doorway of the house across the two back yards and peered anxiously over the burton's kitchen door now don't forget ten o'clock tomorrow morning i won't forget promised susan cheerfully now do you go home and set easy miss mcguire and don't you fret no more it's comin out all right all right i tell you she reiterated as mrs mcguire hurried through the doorway but when mrs mcguire was gone susan drew a dubious sigh and her cheery smile had turned to a questioning frown as she went in search of keith very evidently susan was far from feeling quite so sure about keith's cooperation as she would have mrs mcguire think keith was in the living-room his head bowed into his two hands his elbows on the table before him at the first sound of Susan's steps, he lifted his head with a jerk. "'I was looking for you,' began Susan, the moment she had crossed the threshold. Susan had learned that Keith hated above all things to have to speak first or to ask who is it. "'Mrs. McGuire's just been here.' "'Yes, I heard her voice,' returned the boy indifferently. "'She was telling about her John.' "'How's he getting along?' "'He's in a bad way.' Oh, he's really well physically, but he's in a bad way in his mind. Well, you don't wonder, do you? Oh, no, of course not. Still, well, for one thing, he don't like to see folks. Strange, now. I'd think he'd just dote on seeing folks, wouldn't you? Susan caught the full force of the sarcasm, but superbly she ignored it. 
well i don't know maybe but anyhow he don't and miss mcguire's that worried that she don't know what to do you see she found him once with his daddy's pistol susan was talking very fast now and course that worked her up something terrible i'm afraid he ain't got much backbone they don't dare to leave him alone a minute not a minute and miss mcguire she was wondering if if you could help him out some way i the short ejaculation was full of amazement yes that's why she come over for this morning i they forget keith fell back bitterly john mcguire might get hold of a dozen revolvers and i wouldn't know it oh twasn't that they don't want you to watch him they wanted you to well tis just this miss mcguire thought as how if she could get her john out on the back porch and you happened to be in our backyard and should go over and speak to him maybe you could get to talkin' with him and go up and sit she thought maybe twould get him out of self that way you see he won't talk to to most folks he don't like to be stared at susan threw a furtive glance into keith's face then looked quickly away but she thought maybe he would talk to you yes i see keith drew in his breath with a little catch and so she said there wa not anybody anywhere that could help so much as you if you would why of course if i really could help susan did not need to look into keith's face to catch the longing and heart hunger and dawning hope in the word left suspended on his lips she felt her own throat tighten but in a moment she managed to speak with steady cheerfulness well you can you can help a whole lot i'm sure you can and miss mcguire's too and what's more you're the only one that can help em in this case so we'll keep watchin tomorrow morning and when it comes out to the porch well we'll see what we will see and susan just as if her own heart was not singing a triumphant echo of the song she knew was in his turned away with an elaborate air of indifference yet when to-morrow came and when keith went out into the yard in response to the presence of john mcguire on his back porch the result was most disappointing to susan to keith it did not seem so much so but perhaps keith had not expected quite what susan had expected at all events keith came back to the house with a glow on his face and a springiness in his step that susan had not seen there for months yet all that happened was that keith had called out from the gate a pleasant good morning to the blinded soldier and had followed it with an inconsequential word or two about the weather john mcguire had answered a crisp cold something and had risen at once to go into the house keith at the first sound of his feet on the porch floor had turned with a cheery well i must be going back into the house whereupon john mcguire had sat down again and mrs mcguire who at keith's first words had started to her feet dropped back into her chair apparently not much accomplished certainly yet there was a glow on keith's face and the springiness in keith's step and when he reached the kitchen he said this to susan the next time john mcguire's out on the back porch please let me know and susan let him know both then and the subsequent times it was a pretty game and one well worth the watching certainly susan and mrs mcguire thought it so on the other side were the persistence and the perseverance and infinite tact on the other were distrustful antagonism and palpable longing for an understanding companionship 
at first the intercourse between the two blind youths consisted of a mere word or two tossed by keith to the other who gave still a shorter word in reply and even this was not every day for john mcguire was not out on the porch every day but as the month passed he came more and more frequently and one evening mrs mcguire confided to susan the fact that john seemed actually to fret now if a storm kept him indoors and he listens for keith to come along the fence i know he does she still further declared oh i know he doesn't let him say much yet but he hasn't jumped up to go into the house once since those first two or three times and that's something and what's more he let keith stay a whole minute at the gate talking yesterday she finished in triumph yes and the best of it is chimed susan it's helping keith burton hisself just as much as john mcguire why he ain't the same boy since he took to trying to get your john to talkin and he asks me a dozen times a morning if john's out on the porch yet and when he is out there he don't lose no time a goin out hisself yet it was the very next morning that keith after eagerly asking if john mcguire were back on the porch did not go out instead he settled back in his chair and picked up one of his embossed books susan frowned in amazed wonder and opened her lips as if to speak but after a glance at keith's apparently absorbed face she turned and went back to her work in the kitchen twice during the next ten minutes however she invented an excuse to pass again through the living-room where keith sat yet though she said and pointed something each time about john mcguire on the back porch keith did not respond save with an indifferent word or two and greatly to her indignation he was still sitting in his chair with his book when at noon john mcguire on the porch across the back yard rose from his seat and went into the house susan was still more indignant when the next morning the same program was repeated except for the fact that susan's reminders of john mcguire's presence on the back porch were even more pointed than they had been the day before again the third morning it was the same susan resolved then to speak she said to herself that patient had ceased to be virtuous and she lay awake half that night rehearsing a series of arguments and pleadings which she meant to present the next morning she was the more incited to this owing to mrs mcguire's distracted reproaches the evening before why john has asked for him actually asked for him mrs mcguire had wept and it is cruel the cruelest thing i ever saw to get that poor boy all worked up to the point of really wantin' to talk with him and then stay away three whole days like this on the fourth morning therefore when john mcguire appeared on the back porch susan went into the burton living-room with an avowed determination of getting keith out of the house and into the back yard or of telling him exactly what she thought of him she had all of her elaborate scheming for nothing however for at her first terse announcement that john mcguire was on the back porch keith sprang to his feet with a cheery so well i guess i'll go out myself and susan was left staring at him with open eyes and mouth yet not two days to run to the open window and watch what happened and this is what susan saw and heard keith with his almost uncannily skillful stick to guide him sauntered down the path and called a cheery greeting to john mcguire john mcguire who in his eagerness to respond leaned away forward in his chair with a sudden flame of color on his face 
Keith still sauntered toward the dividing fence, pausing only to feel with his fingers and pick the one belated rose from the bush at the gate. He pushed the gate open then, still talking cheerfully, and the next moment Susan was holding her breath, for Keith had gone straight up the walk, up the steps, and had dropped himself into the vacant chair beside John McGuire. And John McGuire, after a faint start as if to rise, had fallen back in his seat and had turned his face uncertainly, fearfully, yet with infinite longing toward the blind youth at his side. Susan looked, then, at Mrs. McGuire. Mrs. McGuire, too, was plainly holding her breath, suspended. On her face, too, were uncertainty, fearfulness, and infinite longing. For a moment she watched the two boys intently. Then she rose and, with cautious steps, made her way into the house. After supper that night she came over and told Susan all about it, her face was beaming. "'Did you see them?' she began breathlessly. "'Wasn't it wonderful? A whole half-hour those two blessed boys sat there and talked, and John laughed twice, actually laughed.' "'Yes, I know,' Susan nodded, her own face no less beaming. "'And to think how just last night I was scolding and blaming Keith because he didn't come over these last three days, and I never saw at all what he was up to.' up to frowned susan yes yes don't you see he did it on purpose stayed away three whole days so john would miss him and want him and john did miss him why he listened for him all the time i could just see he was listening and that's what made me so angry because keith didn't come the idea my boy wantin something and that somebody not there but I know now, I understand, and I love him for it. He did it to make him want him, and it worked. Why, if he'd come before every day just as usual, John wouldn't have talked with him, and I know he wouldn't. But now, oh, Susan, it was wonderful, wonderful. I watched him from the window. I had to watch. I was afraid still, and of course I heard some things, and oh susan it was wonderful the way the boy understood you mean keith yes you see first john began to talk just as he talked with us raving because he's so strong and well and likely to live to be a hundred and if how he'll look one of these days with his little tin cup held out for pennies and his sign please help the blind and of what he's got to look forward to all his life oh susan it it's enough to break a heart of a stone when he talks like that susan drew in her breath you don't suppose i know well i guess i do but what did keith say to him nothing and that was the first wonderful thing you see we we always talk and try to comfort him when he talks like that but Keith didn't. He just let him talk, with nothing but just a sympathetic word now and then. But it wasn't long before I noticed a wonderful thing was happening. Keith was beginning to talk, not about that awful tin cup and the pennies and the sign, but about other things. First about the rose in his hand, and pretty quick John was talking about it too. He had the rose and was smelling of it. Then Keith had a new knife, and he passed that over, and pretty quick I saw that John had that little link puzzle of Keith's, and was having a great time trying to straighten it out. That's the first time I heard him laugh. 
I began to realize what Keith was doing. He was filling John's mind full of something else besides himself for just a minute, and was showing him that there were things he could call by name, like the rose and the knife and the puzzle, even if he couldn't see em. Oh, Keith didn't say anything like that to him, trust him for that, but before John knew it, he was doing it, calling things by name, I mean. And Keith is coming again tomorrow. John told me so. And if you could have seen his face when he said it, oh, Susan, isn't it wonderful? She finished fervently as she turned to go. It is indeed wonderful, murmured Susan. But Susan's eyes were out the window on Keith's face. Keith and his father were coming up the walk talking, and on Keith's face was a light Susan had never seen there before. End of chapter 25 Recording by Sunny